Welcome to part two of this episode of Conversations with Partner Leaders. So one of the things in our prep call, which I really appreciate and has stayed with me, is you when you're working with a, a mentee and they're saying to you, you know, I asked why it didn't happen. And they're being told, well, we just don't feel you're ready. We're not sure you're technical enough. Or we actually have one guest that we're going to be talking to. We think you're too technical. It's like, really? Is this Goldilocks? (laughs) And um, what you talked about is taking, and I think think it's just so powerful, Dave, going from a subjective comment to objective data-oriented things that a person can do. Can you riff on that for a little bit? Like if somebody were coming to you with you're not technical enough. Yeah, um, and that's the most frustrating thing because you have no control over it, mm-hmm. especially when people say, you know, the feedback from above is you're not technical enough. I don't really have any suggestions. Just keep doing what you're doing. And we know that doing what you're doing and expecting different results is the the definition of insanity, right? Um, and so it, it's our job as leaders to say, like, let's get down to let's how much can we make this objective versus subjective? And so to say, you know, you're not technical enough. It's like, these are some things we'd like to see, uh, which will demonstrate that. And that can be like, we'd like to do, uh, have a principal engineer do a deep dive, or um, we'd like to see the artifacts from the last few projects you've worked on. And while that's still maybe unfair uh, that one has to prove themselves, but at least there's a path to resolution. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think I've told you this story of this happening where we were trying to promote someone. And at this company, you had to go through many levels of high judgment people on panels to promote to a tech director. And what we found is we were having, um, we were losing candidates before they actually got to the final panel. Because in this case, we get we have these people who wouldn't even write feedback and, or say, she's not technical enough. And so what I did is I found a principal engineer and said, I want you to weigh in on whether she's technical enough or not. And if you need to collect data, great, go do that. And the principal engineer came back and said, she's great, uh, super technical. She came in as an intern. She's risen, been promoted many times on her technical merits. Um, And then when we went to each of these panels, it flew through. There were no questions. And everybody was like, this is great. It's about time we promoted her. Um, But it's important to know that getting to the starting line is hard. Mm. Like when I, when I used to run marathons, my friend uh, who was training me said, you know, the hardest part is getting to the starting line because you have to run, you know, three 20 mile practice runs without hurting yourself. And so this is the same kind of thing oh, okay. just to get into the, the pipeline for the panel to, for the process, you have to skip over some hurdles. And so one of the things I focused on is how to, help getting to the starting line. Wow. And they, I love the the analogy that there's so much that has to be done. You have to be so strong at that point. And if you don't realize that, you keep trying to run the marathon and it, you just, you can't pull it off. That's right. Uh, wow. Because there's all these components beforehand. Right. Um, and, and the, the Another example I give, and I feel like uh, this happened to me from time to time too, is people would say like, oh, he's great. We love him. He's great, you know, top tier. I'm like, well, when are you going to promote me to director? Oh, well, I mean, not director great, but you're great as a senior manager. And uh, and so those expectations, which are talked about often in a room far away from you and never get back to you because your manager doesn't, you know, thinks it's going to hurt your feelings 
mm. or thinks you're going to quit or something else. Those conversations are important. You know, we, we talk a lot at our um, calibrations about, you know, this is all confidential. Can't tell the employee what happened here. And I always turned it as all that feedback needs to go to the employee, uh, but it needs to be anonymized. And you can't say, oh, J you know, John stopped you from getting promotion because he said so-and-so. Um, but it's so important that when these these um, these these uh, conversations, performance particularly performance and promotion, when these conversations happen far away, that you need to be able to the 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 person being talked about needs to be able to action those. So correct me if I'm wrong, but what this is sounding like is the protection part that you were talking about maybe five minutes ago. Yeah. That instead of that being buried and hidden, you know, it would upset them. Would you know they might leave on us? You're like, no, we have to protect the people who said it, but carry that forward so it can be turned into, um, almost turned into awareness that you then can take action on or not, you know, your choice. Yeah. I mean, like we are all, you know, or many of the people in our industry are very type A personalities. Mm -hmm. And if you give them a problem, they will fix it. Um, the problem with this, uh, you know, this unconscious bias and the promotion processes and performance processes is that the, communi the communication isn't made clear. Like mm. the challenges, the problems that you're trying to solve are not made clear. And so these people who have made a career out of solving problems are you know, beating their head against, I I'm going to solve this. I'm going to solve the same problems I've already solved for the last 10 years. But these are new problems. And so they need both to be the problem to be identified and oftentimes help in navigating those challenges because they're different challenges. So let me ask you on a personal level. I mean, because to me, this would take courage. There's a lot of personal work that I think a person, a leader has to do to get to the point where I'm willing to be uncomfortable while you're uncomfortable and I give you undesirable information, let's say. So did you always have that capacity? Did you learn it from someone or did you work it through yourself? I was I was always super scared to give my team feedback. Not always. For the first several years as being a manager, I was scared to give my team feedback because I thought they'd quit. I had this guy who worked for me. He was super young and talented, um, you know, way ahead of, way, he finished high school early and and um, went on to do great things. And he was super talented, but he had issues, you know, behavioral issues, um, which were of concern. And, you know, either, you know, he was going to be promoted or fired, you know, based on whether his talent went out or his behavior. And, you know, I was very scared to give him feedback. I was, this is, I was a first time manager. And, um, and finally I sat down and said, you know, what can I do, which will give him feedback. So he knows this is not okay, but do it in a very constructive, helpful way. So I sat in a dark room for half an hour and thought about, you know, what would I like to see from this person? And, you know, I wrote down eight bullet points and shared it with him the next day. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And he was, um, you know, he was quiet and sort of nodded his head during the meeting. Uh, but the next morning, his roommate, who was also on my team, came back and said, I drive, I drove him home yesterday, and all he could talk about was your meeting. He just wouldn't shut up about it. And so, you know, what I took away from that is that uh, people, you know, while they, while everybody has some trepidation about getting feedback, they thirst for feedback. Mm -hmm. And so this guy who's super talented, probably no one had ever told him at least not in a helpful and caring way, hey, this is not okay. These things are not okay. And so I did see him course correct uh, many of the behaviors over the next um, 
over the next several months. And he, you know, went on to be successful. The work that I've been doing on myself for the past 10 years is how do I give helpful, critical, <laughs> helpful, constructive feedback, which both, you know, tells the person there is a problem, but also gives them guidance, breadcrumbs on how to solve the problem. It's so interesting for me as a coach, because I hated feedback growing up. Oh my God. And then I started um, working on my presentation skills and you get more feedback and I'm, it was shutting me down. But then I saw that as I developed those skills, I gained so much capacity to excel. I'm like, this is so important. So then it became the, how can I give, as you're saying, clear, critical feedback in a way. And part of it is as a coach, it's here's what's not working. Here's from my point of view, I own it, why it's not working. And then here's a recommendation, a suggestion I have to do it differently. And it was all those three that create this, a little bit of a momentum of, okay, I can see how you see that. Oh, I didn't know it was, okay. And now, all right, let me try this thing. And it sounds like you've come up with a very similar process and that's freed you to be able to do this. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's important to have trust with the person mm-hmm. because that way though you can have a honest conversation. But I, I actually went in when I, when I had just inherited a team um, and I went and asked for feedback about one of the guys and because they were saying, um, you know, we want to promote him to VP. And I would talk to his customers and the customers who work closely with him. He's a super partner, very technical, um, helps us out. And then the people who uh, he had tangential work with, which wasn't on his goals, they were like, oh, that guy, I don't trust him. He doesn't return my calls. He never delivers what he says. And um, so I gave him this feedback once and he didn't take it. And then um, I, I took and had everybody write their feedback and I put it all in the review together. And I said, like the people who you don't work closely with find wow. you untrustworthy. And here's 17, <laughs> 17 sound bites for you. Um, and, and, you know, his first response was, Hey, do you want me to leave? I can go find a job, you know, somewhere else. Uh, but then I was like, no, no I don't no, want you to leave. Not the You're purpose. Like, <laughs> right. But I want you to know that this is how you are seen. Um, and that way you can address it or not. Um, but, you know, it, and what it turned out is he needed to go back to these people who were asking him for random things and like close the book. Mm-hmm. No, we are not going to do this. Not, oh, I'll look into it. Okay. Um, so I want to unpack something that I think is hugely important that you're doing, that people listening and want to be the kind of leader you're talking about that they can be is what you said to them is this is the way you're coming across. Is this the way you're appearing to them? And what that does is it creates a space of perception, not truth. I'm not saying this is how you are, but this is how you're being read. And what that does, Dave, is it reduces, I can't say it totally eliminates an experience of shame about being bad. This is just how it's landing for people. And, you know, are you okay with that? Or are you looking at another way? So that's huge. And and I'm going to guess that as you start to um, develop this ability, you realized that um, there was there was a a place to have this conversation that didn't cause them to shut down or go into shame. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think, you know, one of the things that I try to do is make it not part of the performance review process. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that is such a stressful, you know, there's comp involved, there's a, a rating involved, like it, it's it just just that review process is stressful. And so if you can do something in a lower stress environment, which is a 
less stressful, but be like, hey, this is not something HR is making me do. This is not something the company is making me do. This is my process and I'm investing in you. And that that uh, that is a much better message than, oh, we got to sit down and do your annual performance review together. And it's, it's the, you know, a message delivered too late. You missed the window. Yep. You're doing it ahead of time, which is, again, a courageous act because you're willing to go through, you know, anytime you give somebody, anytime, most of the time I'm going to get you give somebody feedback, there's a certain level of the humanity of discomfort for their discomfort, but you recognize this is serving them and you're, you're making these small adjustments to, in a way, protect their dignity that I'm not waiting to the end and bang, it's over, but, you know, we're giving you shots to do a self-correction here. And I'm going to do what I can, if you're interested to support that process. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, as we rise further in the organization, what you find is the challenges are not technical challenges anymore. <laughs> uh, they are tr- a lot about earning trust and how you show up and executive presence. And, um, and, and so that's hard for people who have been solving technical challenges for their whole lives. And so by saying, like, you're doing great at solving these things, I just need you, like, there's nothing wrong with you. I just need you to solve this different set of problems. And, and that takes a while for people to get their head around. Yeah, I remember early on uh, when I created my firm, <laughs> I was called in by a, a, a guy who was managing a crew of, I mean, top-notch technical support engineers. And he said, these are the best engineers in the world. And they're con- we're, we, as a company, are continually evaluating them. And some are excelling and some are not. And Dave, honest to God, I'm doing everything I can. I said, so, so tell me what they do. And he's thrown out technical terms. And all I can do is nod at the right time going, oh, uh-huh. And I'm taking notes going, how can I help somebody if I don't even know what they're doing? And then this small piece, as you just said, you know, as, it, as you progress, I realize, oh, it's the ones who have customer interface skills that are excelling because they're all technically, I can do something about that. So it's not obvious. And again, we do more of what we've done to get where we're going, which goes back to that earlier uh, process by which you grow. You know, if it's all about product, I keep improving those skills. And you're like, well, now you're in a building processes role. Wow, so helpful. The conversation continues in part three. We'd love to hear from you. Reach out to Pat on LinkedIn. Email us at info at patkirklandleadership.com or visit patkirklandleadership.com.